Welcome back to Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. Tom and his team at Strategic Asset Conservation will work to help you discover the buying power of your future dollars. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. My name is Michelle Wright. You're listening to 960 The Patriot. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your very busy weekend schedule to join us here. We really appreciate it. Let me give you our phone number. It's 480-661-6800. That's 480-661-6800. On the web, we're at gotonight.com. That's G-O, the number two. K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. That's how you get in touch with Tom and the entire team at Strategic Asset Conservation. And Tom, you know, we've been watching the markets and looking at things and the volatility has just been over the top recently. And uh, it's led presidential candidate Donald Trump to say something. And what he said was that our country is on course for a, quote, very massive recession. Now, economist Ben Stein isn't really buying that. I don't know what goes on in his head. He's uh, he's a force of nature, uh, and uh, I don't know what goes on in his head. But uh, in terms of having economic advisors, as far as I can tell, he doesn't have any, and he desperately, desperately needs some. The things he's saying are wacky as wacky can but, be, just off ben. the charts. So, Tom, this is what I want to ask mm. is, are we thinking that the political campaign is really affecting the markets? And what about what Donald Trump is saying? Do you think he's on to something about the country being on course for a, quote, very massive recession? Well, he's, he's not an economist, but he's, a, uh, he's an accomplished businessman who has his finger on the pulse of the economy. He knows when to hire and when to fire. He knows you know, when to invest and when not to invest, you know. And, and look, where we are right now in market history, we are, we are in the eighth year of a bull market largely created at the hands of central bankers around the world, in particular our own Federal Reserve. He knows that this can't keep going. We can't have these ridiculously low interest rates in perpetuity. And uh, he knows that at some point, you know, the, the run-up in the market here is, is, is based on fumes. It's, uh, it's, you know, blue smoke and mirrors. So, you know, I heard Ben Stein say that exact same thing in 2007 mm-hmm. and in 2000 to people like Peter Schiff, who went on national television, went on the financial talk shows, and predicted exactly what was going to happen before it happened. John Hussman from the Hussman Funds is another one. He, he predicted almost to the percentage point the declines of 2000 through 2002, he said the he said the Nasdaq was going to correct by two thirds. Thirty three months later, it was down sixty three percent. You going to fault him for being off by four percent? Right. I mean, you know, everybody laughed him off the stage. And in two thousand seven, you know, when Peter Schiff talked about the real estate uh, meltdown that we were pending, you know, Eric Bowling on Fox Business and Ben Stein and Neil Cavuto and others, they all said, Ah, oh, what's he smoking? You know, blah blah blah. Well, you know what? Exactly that happened. I mean, you know, Scott Minard from Guggenheim Partners predicted at an event that I was at that fall that, uh, that real estate nationwide was going to drop by over 40%. It ended up being down 43%. Wow. I mean, you know, I, so whenever, whenever I see the likes of Ben Stein, the eternal optimist, the long-term, but they're optimists because they're long-term investors. They don't care what happens this week or this year. They care that 20 years from now, their accounts are going to be worth, you know, two to three times what they are today. And so they ride out this stuff. They just learn not to react to it. Well, you know, when you're sitting on a couple hundred million, you can afford to ride out these things. Mm -hmm. 
You know, when you're sitting on 500,000 and it's all the money in the world that's taken you 40 years to save, you know, like some of our clients, you know, you, you can't really afford to lose half of it. Right. Because Ben Stein said Donald Trump was wrong. Now, look, I don't agree with Donald Trump uh, on, on a whole lot of things. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Reagan conservative. I, you know, Donald Trump doesn't strike me as a conservative. You know, heck, he's got, he's got two kids in New York who can't even vote for him in the New York primary because they're registered Democrats. So, I mean, but those are his children, and, you know, mm-hmm. you would expect that. But, you know, so there are separate issues here. There's the economy, which I think, you know, our national economy is suffering from global recession. We are not in recession as an economy. But our growth rate is only 1.5%. Do you know that under Reagan in, in the 80s, it was 7.3? Wow. 1.5%. I mean, we're, we got our nostrils above water, you know, as we're, as we're going down the rapids of this river, and, and, you know, Ben Stein says we're not drowning, and Donald Trump says there's a waterfall up ahead. Who are you going to believe? Right. Well, not drowning is <laughs> – that's not drowning. That doesn't mean you're thriving. It doesn't mean you're sitting, you know, in, with a helmet and in a, you know, in a state-of-the-art kayak, you know, you're, you know, that's designed to transverse, you know, small waterfalls like the ones, the ones coming up, the rapids up ahead. It's a whole different ballgame, Right. So look, I I have a lot of respect for Ben Stein. Um, I think he's uh, I think he's a shrewd economist. But you know, the last couple of times I heard him say nothing to worry about here, you know, move along. Um, we had uh, we had two major market meltdowns: fifty one percent back in two thousand through two thousand three, and fifty seven percent on the S and P in two thousand. And you know, by by March of 09, we were down that much. So. I, Look, Donald Trump does need an economic advisor. He shoots way too much from the hip. Um, he doesn't have a plan. I mean, you know, Ted Cruz has got organization. He's got ground game. You know, he just he just picked up all the delegates in the state of Colorado, and uh, Donald Trump says they were stolen. Well, the head of the Republican Party in Colorado came out and said, no, they weren't. We right. had a system in place. You had time to study the system. You didn't. You were in town exactly one day. Ted Cruz was here for weeks on end cultivating relationships with these delegates. They voted for him unanimously. So consequences. You, he spent time here. He reaped the fruit. You spent one day here, and now you've been bellyaching about it ever since. So, you know, and look, he's not going to get to the convention with 1,237 delegates. He's just not. The numbers aren't there. He would have to pretty much run the table from this point forward, and he'd even have to make deals with the likes of Rubio and, uh, and, and Bush. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Because uh, Bush has endorsed Cruz. Rubio is holding his delegates close to the vest mm-hmm. because, you know, if Trump needs them, Rubio will say, okay, Donald, I'll be your, I'll be your VP. Right. Right. And if Cruz, and, and I think, you know, Bill O'Reilly's already predicted this. I think what's going to happen is that, uh, is that Cruz is going to approach Kasich and say, hey, listen, uh, we need to save the Republican Party from, from Donald Trump. How about we unite here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you pledge your delegates to me. We show up before the convention with 1237, and this doesn't turn into a floor food fight. You know? And if Kasich is smart, that's what he does. Because right. he, the, you know, look, he talks about how Ronald Reagan was great, Kasich does, right? And how he worked with Ronald Reagan and, you know, all these, you know, how, how great Reagan was and how an instrumental part of the Reagan administration Kasich was. Well, Ted Cruz, line for line, you know, talking point for talking point, you know, his campaign is right out of the Reagan library. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if Kasich wants to, wants to align with that, then, you know, I mean, here's your choice. Here's your chance to go back to the 80s and to do it with somebody who knows 
who 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 has Reagan's agenda, you know, in mind. So, but we're not talking about politics today. <laughs> But it's so easy to be able to chat about politics. I mean, it is. It is. You slide right in, you know? Exactly. And, you know, speaking of politics, there's a lot that's going on in Washington, including a recent ruling from the Department of Labor that is focused on financial advisors. It's the fiduciary rule. And basically, it's holding financial advisors to a higher standard. And Market Watch had a panel discussion on this recently, and it featured Newt Rostad. Now, he's the president of the Institute for the Fiduciary Standard, and here's what he explained. I think the impact or the importance for the individual investor really, in many ways, stays the same. And that is to not assume anything and to essentially verify in terms of what it is that's being recommended, what it is that, that you're paying and what it is that you can expect from the relationship. So, Tom, what's a fiduciary, and how is this ruling going to affect me, uh, other financial advisors, how you do business? All right, so a fiduciary is somebody who is either bound by uh, licensing, contract, or an oath to act in the best financial interests of the person on whose behalf they are the fiduciary. So there are two standards here in uh, in, in financial services. One is the suitability standard, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's basically you. The recommendations that that I make have to be suitable for the client. The fiduciary standard says, of those recommendations, I have to act in the client's best interest. Well, what if they're all good for the client? And what if that's you know subjective judgment? What if one fiduciary says, well, this mutual fund mm-hmm. is uh, has a better history, and the other fiduciary says, yeah, but that's its history. The people who were responsible for those yields uh, left six months ago, and there's a new management team in charge at that fund, and we frankly don't think they have the track record to continue that history. Hmm. Right. So which one is right, right? They could both be right. One is basing it on the history of the fund. The other one's saying, okay, yeah, that's the history of the fund, but the guys who were responsible for that history left six months ago. I recommend this fund, Mm -hmm. you know, instead. You know, but see, now the Department of Labor comes and says, all right, well, which one's going to pay you more? Because you're all about commissions, mm. right? I mean, the Department of Labor is basically saying, you know, you're, you're, you're not allowed to do what's in the client's best interest if it's also in yours. Well, what if, what if your interests are aligned? Right. What, what if they just happen, you know, do you have to give somebody, you know, that first fund where the management left six months ago because that's a less expensive option. It has slightly lower fees and you get paid a little bit less as an advisor. I mean, is that really the fund that's in the client's best interest? Or is maybe the fund that that management team left for, you know? If right. they were a Janice and now they're at Oppenheimer, maybe the Oppenheimer fund that they just arrived at and are going to begin managing the same way, right? Maybe that's the better fund. So... Look, the fiduciary standard is uh, is a classic case of uh, the government knowing best, right? What's in what's in the client's best interest, and and I beg to differ. I don't think it's about it's about consumer protection. I think it's about power and control. Mm. It's about the ideologues in the Obama administration being able to micromanage an industry. You know, and best interest doesn't always mean lowest cost. Exactly. The court system is showing that the only way to say that something is in the best interest of the client is to give them the lowest possible cost. Well, as we said in the first segment, you know, the, the cheapest car isn't always the best car. Right. The cheapest refrigerator, the cheapest watch, you know, the cheapest laptop isn't always the best laptop. 
Right. And generally, you get what you pay for. And consumers will still run the risk of getting ripped off. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we actually asked regulators if, if, if the fiduciary rule would have stopped some of the rogue brokers out. Like, for example, Bernie Madoff. Mm-hmm. Their universal answer was no. None of these things would stop those people. Those people are still going to get through the cracks. So as you know, we're, we're justifying the, the regulatory burden on everybody and the costs that are going to get passed on to the consumers to go after the 1% of bad actors out there. And they're already saying that this wouldn't have stopped the 1% of bad actors in the past. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. So you're going to be buried in paperwork and disclosures. Uh, your chance to make money in market conditions will not improve. You know, and, and, and too often investors believe that laws are a saving grace against bear, market, as, uh, bear markets as if that's an advisor's job. And it's not. It's not. You're, you're, you're still going to have losses. You're still going to have lawsuits. The only people that are going to get rich on this whole thing are the lawyers. At the end of the day, the consumer is no better off. The advisor has much, much a greater cost that he's going to that the brokerage firms are going to have to pass along to that consumer and the person who's really going to get harmed is the is the small investor mm-hmm. with less than less than 200,000 to invest because the brokers aren't going to have time for that person they're not going right. to be able to make enough to justify the involvement right let me go so, ahead we've got to close out and i want to give your phone number it's 480-661-6800 we could discuss this for another whole hour because there's so much in there. But let me give everyone your phone number. It's 480-661-6800. That's 480-661-6800 on the web. We're at gotonight.com. That's G-O, the number two, K-N-I-G-H-T.com. Tom, I know you want to say so long to everybody. Yeah, NBA playoffs are here. Enjoy, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. For your own personal appointment with Tom and the team at Strategic Asset Conservation, call 480-661-6800. That's 480-661-6800. We'll return next week with more Retirement Intelligence with Tom Bruckner. The information covered today is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. It is not, however, intended to provide specific legal or tax advice. It can't be used to avoid tax penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. You are encouraged to consult your tax attorney or advisor. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurer. Riders may be available at an additional cost. Product and features may vary from state to state. For full details on how life insurance works, including fees, expenses, and costs, contact our office at 480-661-6800.